Welcome to Ageless by Rescue. This podcast is devoted to exploring the science of rejuvenation, uncovering the most trusted experts, the must-have products, innovations, and technology in the field of vitality, aesthetics, new beauty, and cosmetic enhancement. I'm Baha Etmanen, the founder and editor of Ageless by Rescue. Ageless by Rescue gives you unprecedented access to international and Australian experts and visionaries. Hi, it's Miranda here on Ageless by Rescue podcast. Hi, this is Martha Kay and you are on Ageless by Rescue podcast. I'm Trini Woodall. I mean, I feel I'm being interviewed by the sexiest woman in the world. This week's guest on Ageless by Rescue is Dr. Terence Poon. Dr. Poon is a dermatologist and laser specialist and the medical director of Neutral Bay Laser and Dermatology Clinic and principal of Central Sydney Dermatology. Dr. Poon graduated in medicine with honours from the University of Sydney and continued with his specialist training at Westmead Hospital, the New Children's Hospital Westmead, the Skin and Cancer Foundation Australia, Westmead and Darlinghurst, St. Vincent's Hospital, Royal North Shore Hospital and the Royal Prince Alfred Hospital. Whilst undertaking his specialty training, Dr. Poon developed a strong interest in laser dermatology. This resulted in his undertaking extensive international training and completing a subspecialty fellowship in cosmetic and laser dermatology. I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Terence Poon to our podcast, Ageless by Rescue. Dr. Terence Poon, welcome to Ageless by Rescue. What an honour it is to have you on the show today. Thanks very much for the invitation. Dr. Poon, uh, we are going to talk about the most Googled search term for women over 30 in Australia, which is pigmentation and how we can treat pigmentation safely and effectively. And I know that you are a specialist in this area, so that's why we have you on the show today. Can you start by explaining to us what is pigmentation? Well, in my experience, pigmentation is really one of the most common complaints, as you've said, that um, I see in my everyday uh, dermatology practice. Um, Pigmentation occurs in a wide range of people and in the population and very different skin types. Um, Pigmentation can be due to an increase in the number of pigment cells in the skin called the melanocytes or it can be due to an increased amount of uh, melanin, which is the pigment, which gives our skin its color. So pigmentation can be due to different factors. And um, as I understand it, there are different types of pigments that uh, pigmentation that occurs. What are they and when do they occur? And can they, um, uh, what's the difference? So um, pigmentation occurs when there is Um, as I said, too much pigment. So the pigment cells or the melanocytes are producing too much pigment or the pigment is in the wrong place in the skin, in the layers of the skin, which can occur after treatment or after sun exposure. Um, And there can also be an increased number of what we call melanocytes, the the pigment cells from things like birthmarks and their uh, genetic or inherited things. And what is the difference between melasma and regular pigment? So um, that's a good question. 
because um, melasma is a, a very common condition which we see and, and typically it affects um, females or ladies uh, more commonly than men. It's probably the most common cause of um, hyperpigmentation or facial pigmentation that I see. Um, the pigmentation occurs in melasma generally on the face and typically in areas such as the forehead, on the, uh, the nose and on the cheeks. And melasma is due to a, a number of factors. We don't know exactly why it occurs, but it commonly occurs because of hormonal reasons. So typically in ladies who've been on the oral contraceptive pill for a long time, so many years after some time, they can develop some pigmentation. Um, we also see this very commonly in ladies who are pregnant. pregnant. So um, it's known also as the mask of pregnancy uh, and very common. Uh, typically when we see melasma, I get told by my patients that they've, had, they've been on holiday or they've had um, some increased sun exposure or they've had a sunburn when they've forgotten to put on their sunscreen. And uh, the melasma or that facial hyperpigmentation occurs after that. Um, people can get pigmentation of their face uh, and of their neck and other areas from other, for other reasons. And that pigmentation can be due mainly to sun exposure. So um, sun exposure causes a more uneven pigmentation in the face with uh, things like freckles or what we call lentigenes, um, which are a little bit more easy to treat than say melasma, which is, can be a chronic or a, a, a problem which we tend to control or manage rather than necessarily cure. Um, one of the things I like to do with this podcast is I want to try to demystify some of the terminology we may hear but not understand. And one of the things I'd love for you to explain is what is intrinsic and extrinsic pigmentation? Because I think that's what you're talking about when you talk about the different ways we can be exposed and develop pigmentation. But if you could put them in those two categories, that would be great. Yeah. So um, intrinsic pigmentation uh, commonly, uh, an example of that would be, say, a birthmark. So uh, common birthmarks, which we see in patients of uh, Asian or Mediterranean background, uh, commonly there's something called a, a neva sevota. And this is a slaty gray pigmentation that uh, the patients can get around their eyes, on their cheeks and temples. Uh, sometimes it can also affect the, uh, the white of the eye. Uh, another type of birthmark is called a Becker's nevus, and that's a, a brown birthmark, which we commonly see on shoulders or on, the, uh, on limb girdles. Um, and that can, they can also have an increased hair in those areas. So that's a type of intrinsic uh, increase in pigmentation. Um, causes of extrinsic pigmentation, so pigmentation which occurs because of outside factors, are typically sun exposure. So sun exposure over a lifetime or um, sun exposure which has occurred uh, after a sunburn or something like that. Um, people can get pigmentation from that. There's also something called post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation which typically if, uh, occurs in uh, patients who've got sort of darker Asian or Mediterranean skin types where if they you, you might have experienced that yourself where if you had a burn or a cut 
that you get a bit of brownness, which I pigment so easily. Yes, yeah, I can't pick a pimple. I can't, you know, I scar really easily and straight away, you're absolutely right because I have a Middle Eastern background and I, I scar mm. really easily. So that's called post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. Um, other extrinsic causes of um, hyperpigmentation can be from um, ingestion or uh, when people take supplements. Wow. So, one uh, typical thing that we've seen, it's not that common these days, but people take colloidal silver. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of that, but it's just as a type of supplement or health supplement. And if that's taken for a long period of time in large doses, people can get to pigmentation um, in their skin and they start looking this slaty gray color. And we've treated some patients with that. We've had to remove that color by number one, stopping and taking the, the supplement and then using a, a, a pigment laser to treat that. Uh, other causes of extrinsic pigmentation commonly are taking some medications. So um, a very common medication where we can see pigmentation is uh, something called minomycin. This is an antibiotic that's commonly used um, in teenagers uh, and in uh, older people for uh, acne. So acne, common teenage acne or um, acne rosacea and if they do get left on that for a longer period of time they can um, get some areas of pigmentation also so pigmentation in summary can be due to factors within the body and and from things from outside the body thank you that was the best explanation i've ever heard around pigmentation i, I really appreciate the depth and also the multiple ways that we can you know uh get pigmentation um you touched on laser, so I want to ask you the question, what are the clinical options available to you as a dermatologist for treating pigmentation? So, you know, light, medium, and then the big guns. So um, I assess every patient and see what's appropriate for them in terms of their general medical health. And we look at whether it's in intrinsic or extrinsic pigmentation. So there is a wide variety of treatments and that needs to be tailored or uh, for each particular patient. Um, typical gentle treatments, of course, every treatment for pigmentation starts with diligent sun protection. So it's important that people cover up with a hat, long sleeves, and that they use a broad spectrum 50 plus sunscreen. And that needs to be a, a, a daily treatment because you can treat pigment if people get sun exposure, it's like two steps forward, one step back. Um, so in terms of gentler treatments for pigmentation, we can uh, do things uh, with creams. So there are certain fading or brightening creams and quite often these things need to be prescribed by your doctor or your dermatologist. Uh, these treatments include hydroquinone, uh, kojic acid, uh, tranexamic acid, um, various things which can be compounded. So they're, they're especially made up the patients uh, to use for their pigmentation. And quite often that uh, something like the hydroquinone is a, a mainstay for treatment of things like melasma. Uh, other gentle treatments can include topical retinoids. So people might know them as, you know, the retinol, the vitamin A creams. They help with pigmentation. Uh, they help with turnover of the skin. So quite good for um, pigmentation, which is in the top layer of the skin, the epidermis. Uh, other gentle treatments can include uh, chemical peels. So that's a, a very common thing that we do here in the practice. 
we do peels with uh, glycolic acid, uh, lactic acid, uh, salicylic acid. So these are um, peels which help to turn over the, the epidermis and also to help to remove some of that pigment. Uh, in terms of uh, light and energy-based treatments, then we move into things like IPL, so intense pulse light, uh, or broadband light, or BBL, and uh, these are gentle treatments which can help remove laser, uh, which can help remove pigmentation. Um, then we use, we also have stronger lasers, so we have uh, what we call Q-switched or picosecond lasers, and these are lasers which particularly uh, target pigment in the skin um, and we use those for to remove freckles and to remove um, birthmarks uh, things like that uh, in terms of even stronger treatments then um, we can use lasers which actually take layers of skin off so we tend to use this more for people who've got sun damage or uh, wrinkles and pigmentation from long-term exposure to the sun. So in fact, what you're doing is removing the top layers of the skin, the epidermis and the dermis and taking away the pigmentation um, in that regard. We are limited though, um, in terms of what we can do in terms of skin types for people's skin types, what lasers and lights we can use. Um, one of the things that, you know, uh, I was introduced to maybe 11, years ago was a Fraxel laser because uh, it I had um, sun damage, I wanted to rejuvenate my skin and my dermatologist recommended Fraxel and I know that that's a brand that you work with and they partnered with us to, to have your expertise on the show. Um, in what instance would you, and I guess I'd like you to clarify, Fraxel is a, is a brand, it's not a generic term for a laser. Um, it, it, in what, in what reasons and what instances would it be appropriate to use Fraxel? So as you said, Fraxel is, is a brand of um, a laser and one that we've used here in the clinic um, very successfully for many years. And it's one of the lasers which um, we get very good feedback in terms of um, usefulness and satisfaction from our patients. Um, we use the Fraxel laser uh, because it has a, uh, a wide variety of usefulness in pigmentation, in sun damage, and in also treating um, wrinkles and crepey skin. Um, the advantage of using the Fraxel, we find, is that we can use that on people who've got darker skin types. So traditionally, when lasers first started, we used what were called ablative lasers. And these were lasers such as the carbon dioxide laser or the erbium yag laser which were la lasers that took off layers of skin. Um, but these particular lasers were limited in terms of uh, who we could treat. So we could only treat patients who had uh, lighter or fair skin types. Uh, and, and also with those treatments, that, because it's more invasive, there were higher risks of scarring. So with the invention of fractionated lasers, and in fact, it was the Fraxel company who invented this particular uh, type of laser. It's what we call a fractionated laser resurfacing, where the laser works by sending down tiny little microscopic treatment zones, and that leaves areas of uh, normal skin or sparing in between. And the advantage of that is that um, the treatments were safer. We were able to 
use these lasers on patients who've got uh, darker skin types and there was less downtime. So people, our patients found that um, they didn't have so much downtime. With the ablative treatments, people would look as though they'd been caught in a house fire for a, a week or two weeks. Whereas with the fractionated lasers, we could actually reduce that to uh, you know, a number of days. Um, so speaking of hmm. speaking of the technology uh, evolution, what has been the advancement in that fractionated laser space? As I said to you, I had my Fraxel, uh, I would say, 11 or 12 years ago now. Has there been a development in uh, Fraxel technology and uh, the treatment and the results over the years? Um, if you had your first... Fraxel 11 or 12 years ago, you might remember that um, you had some blue gel put on. Um, and uh, when Fraxel first started, patients had to have blue gel on as a type of tracking gel for their treatment. And it was uh, quite difficult to take off and um, patients would go home looking like a smurf. Um, so <laughs> I don't remember that. I don't remember that part. <laughs> anyway, it's quite a, a typical story. So, you know, patients who'd had um, Fraxel many years ago because they'd come and say, oh, I looked blue when I went home. But, um, <laughs> so there have been improvements in terms of uh, not having to use that type of gel, and that's been quite a few years. Um, there have been improvements in terms of the wavelengths that we've used. So some new wavelengths which have been introduced have been one wavelength is the 1927 nanometer wavelength, otherwise known as the thulium wavelength. And this is a, a more superficial uh, wavelength treatment. And we've found this particular uh, more superficial treatment uh, useful for pigmentation and for sun damage, particularly for what we call actinic keratosis or solar keratosis, or typically known as sunspots. Um, so we're able to combine uh, deeper fraxel laser treatments with a more superficial treatment uh, to address uh, issues which patients are concerned about. So we can, with the deeper treatments, we're treating the wrinkles and the lines. With the more superficial 1927 nanometer wavelength, we're treating their pigmentation. Um, and in terms of other improvements, uh, other wavelengths, the carbon dioxide wavelength was introduced. And so we're still talking Fraxel here, right? We're so still talking Fraxel. All of so these improvements are since my 11 years ago. So I need to go back and have all these mm. new improvements. I can't wait. Um, I want to go back to what you said is that Fraxel, the company and the brand, essentially invented fractionated laser. But I guess in that time, there's so many other devices. There's so many new technologies. Um, what's kept you loyal to Fraxel and why would you choose it over other um, devices or uh, treatment options? Um, there are a number of, I'm glad you asked that. There are a number of reasons why, you know, we love using the Fraxel here at um, Neutral Bay. Um, one is that because uh, Fraxel was, you know, the inventor of this particular technology, that uh, they have such an extensive experience in terms of the number of treatments and number of patients who've been treated with this technology that as we've been, uh, refined our treatment parameters, uh, we've been able to, we, we know that we can provide patients with a safe and effective treatment. So treatments have become safer, they've become more effective. Um, the other advantage that uh, 
we like with the fractal is that the way that the treatments actually occur, the handpiece that we use is actually a uh, handpiece which lays down those treatment zones using a rolling technique. So the handpiece actually has a roller on it. Uh, some of the other technologies or other companies use more of what's called a stamping technique. So yes, um, I've heard that. Yeah. You can imagine stamping the laser treatment zones rather than rolling them. And the rolling we find allows us to provide patients with more even treatment. Uh, and and we're also then we're also able to, because the face isn't flat, and we've got areas like the nose, we're able to treat those areas and contours much more evenly than with a stamping procedure. That makes that makes sense to me. Um, those hard to reach places. Speaking of hard to reach places, what are the uh, parts of the body that you can also treat with the Fraxel technology? Um, so in fact, we can treat most of the body uh, with that, that particular laser, uh, with the Fraxel laser technology. So even though the, the face is probably the most common area that we treat, we also very commonly treat here at the practice um, necks and decolletage, because of, of course people have sun damage on of their neck and of their decolletage. Um, are there any areas of the body that um, you see an amazing result with when uh, you do the fraxal treatment? Um, I think we find that we get a good result wherever we treat. Uh, one of the things may be that we need to use slightly, for instance, on the neck and the decolletage, the skin there is actually more sensitive or it's a finer type of skin compared to say the face. And what that means is that we do need to be a little bit more conservative with our settings with, with our, that we use. And sometimes that means that we need to uh, perform more treatments or multiple treatments on those areas, but we still get the same good result and good effect. Um, treating off the face, um, sometimes the healing there can be a little bit slower. Uh, people can get a little bit more redness or erythema um, for a little bit of a longer time compared to the face. So we've wow. been doing a lot of, uh, I suppose, off face treatments. So commonly, you know, we see those on forearms, on hips, thighs. Uh, so yes, we treat fractal uh, all over the body. One of the things that I always concentrate on when we're publishing content um, and researching content is, you know, don't stop at the face, you know, that women or men do all these beautiful treatments and products and lasers or whatever on their face, but they, then the neck is crepey, the chest is crepey, the back of the arms are crepey. Um, and it is, it is wonderful uh, to hear you as an expert talk to that because uh, if you're looking for that ageless result, you really need to look at yourself as a whole package and, and think about, you know, extrinsic and intrinsic aging and pigmentation as an all over body issue. Can I ask you, Dr. Poon, is there anyone who can't have Fraxel? Um, so yes, as I mentioned before, Fraxel technology has allowed us to treat a wider range of skin types. Um, in terms of treatments, it's important that uh, patients are assessed um, before they have their treatment to make sure that they, they're not on some particular medications. So typically um, patients who've been on Roaccutane or isotretinoin for their acne um, 
previously, you know, part, one of the, I suppose, rules or things that we went by was that people couldn't have any laser treatment for a year after they'd finished their rhoic chain because they, the skin wouldn't heal up as well. But uh, a lot of that uh, evidence or dogma sort of came from the time when we were doing uh, full resurfacing, the ablative resurfacing, which I've talked about gotcha, before yeah. with, with the uh, carbon dioxide or the erbium react lasers. But, but these days when um, we've got fractionated lasers, we can now treat acne patients, people with scarring. You know, we wait three months, something like that, after they've completed their Roaccutane to start treating them so they can get onto their scarring. Much, and you talked uh, about the, sorry, sorry to interrupt, you, you talked about the range of um, ethnicities that you can now treat and skin tones. And again, that's a huge area uh, of um, questions that, that we get because of Australia's multicultural population and also from a perspective of age diversity, you know, is is it ever too late to have Fraxel? Are you ever, is your skin ever too dark or is there an ethnicity that it, um, that it doesn't work with? Um, that's a good question. And a, a very common thing that I hear here when patients come in, we see a, a wide variety of patients. Obviously that's a reflection of our multicultural Australia that we live in. And, and really with the fractionated lasers, there's no restriction in terms of who you can treat uh, in terms of skin color. So you can treat someone who's got the, you know, the very fair skin, but you can also treat someone who's got the, the darker skin types. How dark, um, how, uh, Dr. Poon? Look, it, and it also depends on which fractionated or fraxel laser that you're using and whether you're using a superficial or a deeper wavelength. A lot of it comes down to, in terms of the settings that you use and being much more conservative or gentle with those darker skin types. Your main concern with them is developing that post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, which we um, talked about before. So in, really there's no restriction as long as you're very careful. Um, if there is that post-inflammatory pigmentation, of course, um, that can be treated, uh, but you know, it's a bit of a pain to get that. Um, but yeah, so laser treatments in terms of fractionated resurfacing has uh, been revolutionized by the fact that we've got this uh, fractal and fractionated lasers now. Um, can I ask you, how many treatments do you need to have? You mentioned that, you know, for, for the body or the neck, because the skin is thinner and more sensitive, you might have more frequent treatments. But typically for the face, how many treatments would you recommend of Fraxel? So if we're talking about the Fraxel Restore, so uh, that's the 1515 nanometer Fraxel or, or a similar wavelength in the other brands, then... Um, that question really needs to be looked at in terms of each individual patient. If you remember, I mentioned that each patient needs to be assessed in terms of their skin type, in terms of their uh, how much damage they they have, so how how much what we call soloelastosis or wrinkles, how much pigmentation. So obviously, when there's more damage, there more treatments are required. Um, and also, with patients who've got the darker skin types, we need to be gentler with each treatment, so that in turn means that we need to do more treatments. But for a, a, a typical patient, we sort of talk about maybe between three and five treatments. A year? Um, we use, um, as a series of treatments to sort of uh, improve things or to uh, get on top of the pigmentation, get on top of the sun damage, get on top of the um, wrinkles. And then 
this can be used as a maintenance treatment uh, in future years. So patient may have a treatment once a year or something like that, just to keep the, the collagen and the response going. Well, I have got to say, I have, I've had Fraxor and I've had all sorts of treatments, but this is one of the most in-depth and informative educational conversations I've had. And I can only uh, imagine how lucky your patients are to have you treat them with the wealth of knowledge that you have. Thank you so much for, for debunking some of the myths and also some of the terminology around pigmentation it is, you know, a, a serious um, skin uh, issue for Australians. And um, it's wonderful to know that there are, you know, light, medium, and as you said, more spectacular options available to us to, to treat this skin concern. Thanks very much, Baha, and uh, it's been a great pleasure to have a chat with you. Dr. Finn, thank you so much for joining us on the Ageless by Rescue podcast. And thank you to Fraxel for having, letting us have uh, such a wonderful expert on our show. Pigmentation is a, a very important issue which affects all Australians. Yeah, it, it really does. We get asked about it all the time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share and rate this episode. I'd love that. I'm Bahar Etmanen, your host and founder of Ageless by Rescue. For more exclusive content, show transcript, behind the scenes video, real people reviews and extended interviews with experts, I invite you to please follow us at Ageless by Rescue on Instagram, Facebook and Rescue TV on YouTube. You can also sign up to receive our e-magazine and newsletters all for free.